Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. My guest today is Mr. Roland Comtois, an internationally acclaimed channeler and speaker. Roland was only 10 years old when an unforgettable otherworldly visit from his departed grandmother and a trio of angels occurred soon after she passed away. This event presented him with his life's calling, and from that day forward, intuitive visions, angelic visits, angelic visits, and heavenly encounters became everyday occurrences for Roland, encouraging him to use his gift of healing for the benefit of others. Working as a gerontology nurse with the elderly solidified Roland's calling as he assisted many on their transition to the other side. Today, Roland is a professional psychic medium whose personal appearances and channeled messages for the soul presentations take him throughout the United States and Europe, where he has a rapidly growing following of all faiths and ages, who look to him for confirmation that love is eternal and that heaven indeed exists. Through Roland, thousands of people who have lost loved ones have received intimate and accurate communications from their departed friends and families, offering them hope and healing for their grief. Roland is the best-selling author, best-selling author of And Then There Was Heaven, A Journey of Hope and Love, and 16 Minutes, When One Breath Ends, Another Begins. What does he have to offer you? While you're listening, learn more about Roland and review amazing messages from Spirit by visiting his website at rolandcomtois.net. And that is spelled R-O-L-A-N-D-C-O-M-T-O-I-S dot net. We will not be offering readings in this segment. Rather, it's our wish to share with you important information on how to tap in and recognize your inner voice develop your intuition, and find ways to deal with grief and learn that our loved ones truly do live on in spirit. They're aware of what's going on with us. They love us, and they want us to be peaceful. So we're going to, we're going to be discussing a lot of great things today, especially his books. So welcome to the show, uh, Roland. Welcome to the show, Roland. It's so wonderful to have you with us. Thank you, Charlotte. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It, these are such important topics, and I'm thrilled to meet somebody that I can, again, speak with uh, on such a level that we can really reach out and help a lot of people. Uh, but I'd like to start out from the beginning. Tell us about this life-changing visit from your grandmother and the angels. Well, you know, when I was um, 10 years old, my grandmother, Isabel, passed away, and shortly after she was gone, it was three days later, it was uh, 11.59 p.m., 
it was the middle of the night. I was restless. I was up. I was moving around, looking around. I was 10 years old, and within seconds of of that moment, I just saw her there. She was at the end of my bed in this most beautiful and extraordinary light, and there was a sense of joyfulness and happiness and settledness already, and behind her was this beautiful light of angels that were surrounding her, and as a 10-year-old kid, I had a feeling in me that, that she was okay, that there was nothing to worry about, that there was no suffering anymore, and the longing that she carried to to see my grandfather, who passed three months before her, wasn't there. Mm. I just felt peace. Mm. It was absolute peace, Charlotte. No doubt. That is a significant visit, especially accompanied by angels, to demonstrate to a child and get that message through to you. Did she speak, or was it the normal transmission through her eyes? Well, it was just this knowing, actually. You know, I, I... did in my head hear words, but I didn't see her talking, right? It was some kind of telepathic communication. It was a, a heart-to-heart connection. And and I heard her say, and I felt that everything was going to be okay with me. And as a 10-year-old kid, maybe that meant a lot of things, but I really felt just this inner conversation happening between us without any exchange of words. Right. Beautiful. And did you tell anyone about it? Did you tell your parents? Well, you know what? The truth is, Charlotte, I held on to that for a long time. And, you know, it just didn't, I don't know, I just held on to it. It seemed better just to hold on to that information. I wasn't prepared to share it. You know, I I started to share things when I was getting a little bit older because it started to get stronger. Messages were getting stronger. Feelings were getting stronger. So when I was 17 years old, I started to share those stories and those feelings a lot more than I did when I was 10. Mm, yes, that it's the same for me. And I found, other than having to be very um, discerning in who you tell and what you tell, but I also found that sharing some experiences kind of diminished the impact of it. Yeah, It kind of leaks the energy out of it. So if you have a significant experience like that, you can, for the rest of your life, go back to that memory and continue to pull inspiration from it. But it's, I think if we spread it too thin... It can change the energy of it. Well, um, yeah, and I, th- I think I think that sometimes the point of those kinds of messages is exactly for that, so that we can go back to that space where that experience existed, and and get from it more energy, more information, more mm-hmm. peace, more something, and reminding us of what that experience was truly about for us. Yes, because it's always multi-layered. There's always more information to glean from it, and. So these became daily occurrences, or almost daily, would you say? Uh, I, you know, they were daily. They were daily experiences. Absolutely. I just had these, these these feelings inside of me that, that just did not seem to fit within the physical experience that I was living. It didn't mm-hmm. seem to fit within the normal. My friends weren't talking about things like this, and my family wasn't talking about things like this. But it was there with me all the time. You know, it just was there. You know, I should say that when I was five years old, my mother said that I would walk around and follow things. And she couldn't figure me out, but she knew I was up to something. She could never figure me out, but but she knew that I was up to something and talking to someone. She never understood it, but it was there. There was some kind of awareness. She just couldn't get inside your head to figure out what was happening. 
Yeah, and she wasn't feeling it like I was feeling it, right? She, which also makes sense because we don't feel things the same way um, or have the same experiences. So she couldn't articulate what it was she was experiencing, and I was saying to her when I was able to say it to her, this is what I'm feeling, and, you know, she would just kind of put it aside. Mm. Not knowing so much what to do with it. My mother had a hard time with it, too. Like, I could explain something to her in detail, but she didn't know how to make sense of it in a way that I would understand. Yeah. Very you know, odd. I don't, know this, I don't know if this is going off track a bit, but we're talking about when I was a kid, my mother, your your experiences and your mother and how it all came to be. You know, my mother didn't really recognize it until 50 days before she passed away. At that moment, I walked into the rehab room, and she said, Oh, my God, you're not crazy. And I was 50 years old, hearing this story from my mother 50 days before she passed away. Interesting. Mm. And five it is a number a big change. Story. It tells a huge, significant life plan contract. Interesting. So you were 50, 50 days before she died. Yes. And it and took only... Was. And it it started when you were five, and it, it only took 45 years for her to see it, but there must have been things in that room. Well, she told me. She she explained it verbatim of what she experienced the night before. And she went on to tell me this very miraculous dream that transformed her grief of dying to a place of peace. She <laughs> talked about the angels that walked into the room. She talked about how her, her siblings and her mother and father that she so desperately longed for were there. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. When I walked into the room, it her face was different. Her mannerisms were different. I wasn't looking at a woman who was suffering, as I had for many of my years with my mother. I was mm-hmm. looking at a woman who was now experiencing the joy and the blessing of that spiritual place. That's beautiful. Mm. I'm so happy she got to have that experience. I know it's it was brief, but perhaps that's all she needed to get that in this lifetime to take with her when she crossed over. Yeah, I'm very joyful that she had that experience. Me too. Well, tell you what, Mm. let's dedicate this segment to her. Her name was Isabel? Nope, my mother's name was Teresa. Teresa. Oh, Isabel is grandmom. Yes. Well, let's dedicate it to both, uh, to Isabel and Teresa. This this is for you, (laughs) ladies, and we know you're watching and listening, and we love you. Thank you. And we know that you're at peace, and we hope you're having a lot of fun. So, so, so moving forward, of course, teenage years are going to be pretty interesting. Of course, we hide what we what we know to be true in order to be accepted in our social circles, and then eventually we begin to come out of the closet and and start to share what we know with other people. What was your early experience like with sharing the knowledge that you were acquiring in these years? You know, I would um, get feelings every single day at 7 p.m. For some reason, as a teenager, I would be in the groove of of that spiritual place at 7 p.m. I would feel things, sense things, I'd hear things, I'd know things, I, and I'd call my friends, especially one very dear friend of mine, and I would say, I know this is crazy, but I got a feeling again. Could I come and talk with you? And I would go see her, and she would write the notes. She would write everything that I was experiencing. She would put things together for me. So I started, you you know, tapping into 
the friends that I truly trusted to tell the story that there's something beyond what I can physically see in this moment. Mm. It was powerful. Charlotte, it was it was probably one of the most powerful times of my, li- my life because I just felt this momentum and I could feel it building. I could feel the messages getting stronger. I could feel the presence of the angels getting stronger. I could feel that energy. And I think the more that we allow, A-L-L-O-W, allow that energy in, the more that we receive from them. Absolutely. And... It's it's interesting that you had these experiences because, you know, for many of us, childhood and adolescence can be a very lonely experience. And it was my experiences with the invisible, shall we say, that really mm. pulled me through. And it was it was needed because it was really very rough. So I'm just thrilled that you had this to kind of lead, guide, and, and propel you forward. And... So eventually you became a gerontology nurse, which is working with the elderly, correct? Yes, that is right, yes. It was, you know, um, it, that probably was, again, you know, I've had very amazing moments in my life where, uh, like you, I'm sure, know that you were in the right place at the right moment at the right time, and all of the universe is in cahoots with each other to get you to that one place. And someone said to me, I think you should be a nurse. I said, okay. And I went to nursing school. I mean, <laughs> you know, I fo- I followed that feeling. You know, I didn't I didn't resist the intuitions and and I didn't resist the the, the people that was sent to me because I I believe that they were sent for a reason. And when they said I think you should do this, I did it. I went and mm. and I've met I you know I met some amazing had some amazing amazing patients who taught me life lessons on their deathbeds, who taught me how to be a better human being, who taught me how to be a better man, who taught me how to be kinder, more gentler, more compassionate. That's what they taught me. That's amazing. And you make an important point. You didn't resist. And Mm. that's where we all get into trouble in this lifetime, in all areas of life. It's when we resist that we become conflicted. And we're going to discuss more, you know, we're going to discuss that in more detail later in the show about resistance and following the guidance that is offered you, whether it comes through another person, a stranger, someone you know, nature, whatever. So we'll we'll get into that. But I want to um, ask you, when did it become clear that death was a major part of your life and that you could help others, whether they were either soon to be in transition or left behind by a loved one? When did that become crystal clear to you? You know, it, it may seem, sound crazy, but it was crystal clear when I was 10 years old. I knew as a young kid that I would, that my life would somehow be um, connected to people that were dying, death, the afterlife, and I just knew it. I, I've always known that that's where I belong, and and I do my best work when I'm in that space helping someone who is transitioning, who has transitioned, or helping family try to communicate with the afterlife. I mean, I do my, I'm my best, I am my best self when I'm in that place. I agree. That's a beautiful way of saying it because we get to experience our own essence when I, when we relinquish our egos to make ourselves available to dance that line between two worlds and help people on either side. And you really get a sense of who you are. Do you feel that way? I yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. And I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. You said relinquish the ego. You know, the ego is that outer shell 
that's out there and on the in, inner aspect of that is this beautiful fluid divine resource of energy and when you tap into that aspect of who you are the ego begins to disappear the ego no longer interferes with the prosperity of one's journey and that's what happened to me as a nurse hmm. and it can it it loses its intensity the ego when we when we immerse ourselves in um being a spiritual seeker uh being of service to others and um it's easier it, as you go i think in my experience it became easier and easier to let go of my ego and really allow the life that you really desire to unfold rather than the experiences of conflict that often come your way to try to jar jar you out of this control posture this posture of it's all up to me um so it's been an interesting journey, especially with regard to the ego. I want to – did you want to add to that, Roland? Did, well, I like just to wanted to say that? that I think, again, you know, you, you're hitting all the points, and I think once we become of service, the ego softens, and the posture, as you said, is no longer intense or erect. It's a lot smoother, a lot more fluid. The energy's easier to access when we are of service to someone or to something, to, mm-hmm. to to Mother Earth, to a dog, to your son, to the neighbor across the street, uh, mm-hmm. saying hello to somebody, being gentle and kind. I think those things help to soften in the posture of an intense ego experience. Yes, absolutely. I, do. I see all those as forms of service. And, yes, and me too. And when we do that with an open heart, we benefit just as much as the other person, and it just goes around because we are indeed all connected um okay there was something that you just said that struck me significantly mm-hmm. i think it was about being of service to your community and what have yeah. you i don't remember but maybe it'll come back it, it's very gauzy those wispy thoughts and it and it disappeared but perhaps it will come back i want to talk <laughs> about your website and the activities that you have on there great website looks terrific um, Thank you. Very, very rich in information. Yeah. And you have a blog, you have news, announcements, keynote speaker events, feature presentations, and you also have powerful life-changing messages that heal with hope. Tell us about the Purple Papers. Well, the Purple Papers are pre-recorded, channeled messages that connect to someone that has passed on. And I've been writing on Purple Papers for 10 years, so I go into meditation and prayer and once that process is complete, I sit in front of blank 11 by 17 purple papers, and I sit there and I say this. I say, may this be an experience of divine and holy healing. May the voice of love speak with ease and gentleness. May the hearts that are broken be lifted and the souls that are to be light. And may you all feel the presence of everlasting love. And then I say, what message must I send? And then I take a marker and I write whatever I'm feeling, seeing, sensing, hearing, knowing in that moment. And I keep writing until I feel complete. And then I take the papers and I go to my event. And I stand at an event and I start telling stories. And when I tell the story that connects to a purple paper, I hand it off to the person who that paper is meant to hear or to receive. Hmm. And that's, it's, it's, 
been the same way for 10 years, except for the messages are more detailed now. They're much more elaborate. They're much more extensive than they were 10 years ago. And that's because maybe I'm more opened and I'm more something, allowing that experience to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, can I give you an example of that, Charlotte? Sure, please do. I was at an, at an event in Connecticut, and there was a paper that had been recorded 10 days before, and the paper was addressed uh, was about someone named Mr. Robbins, R-O-B-B-I-N-S. Mm-hmm. And it went on to tell the story of his passing and the story that he wanted to leave his family. And he wanted to say something about his grandson. So I'm at an event, and I'm telling stories. I walk up to a woman. She wants to talk about her son that passed away. We have our conversations. All the messages are given. And near the end of the presentation, I ra- something in me said, turn back to her. I turned back to her. And I mentioned Mr. Robbins, and she nearly passed out. Mm-hmm. Her father-in-law was Mr. Robbins, and she knew in that moment that her son was fine, that her father-in-law was helping, that there is the continuity of love and life, and that they, that we, are still important to each other. And that's what happened with that one purple paper, that one message. That's amazing. And I'm sure it, it the the messages increase because when you start giving them out, you're probably like, oh, this feels strange, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then once you see the reaction and the accuracy and the way it's pinpointed to the right person, the right message, just what they needed to hear, then you get more comfortable. Because I, I do something similar to that. It, it, it's pretty trippy, the uh, parallels we seem to share in what we do and, and how we grew up. I think it's amazing. So what else about your website would you like to share? I know you have an, a newsletter that you put out every month. No, our newsletter goes, our newsletter goes out every Wednesday, um, and we have also something called the Blessings Brigade, and we have a group of people who hold positive, loving, compassionate energy for people. So we receive names of people who need support, and we have a team that does this energy work. So that goes out on Wednesday as well. Um, okay. And there are videos and purple papers and blogs and prayers and all kinds of things on my website to help, maybe to help one person. That's the point of the whole thing. Even if, if even if it's only just one, it's all worth it. So it, it, is. it says that each issue features helpful advice and spiritual tools that inspire endless possibilities for a life, for living a life that is beyond wonderful. It really is a great website and you have a lot to offer. And I hope everybody goes and visits. Let's move on to your events. How would you describe them? They are are thought-provoking, emotionally raw, uplifting, and freeing, is what Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, And I'm telling you that not because I witnessed that myself, but because people have told me that. You know, you know, as a channeler, sometimes you're just in the groove and... You know, I'm not always aware of how someone's reacting to the experience, but I've heard from people, and I've seen some of it myself as well, that when they're done the experience, the weight of some grief or loss or disbelief is now overshadowed by the power of possibility. Um, Mm. And, you know, we have beautiful music playing during the event. I have my purple papers 
and I'm out there just talking to the audience, and we're laughing, and we're crying, and we're expanding, and we're growing, and we're loving, and that's what happens in these events. Sounds absolutely sacred. I know it what is you very mean. Sacred. You're doing this. You let go. You say, "Okay, you you take over, and and speak through me, and do whatever you, you know, whatever you want to do with me. You go ahead and do it." And you don't have time to gauge the reaction in the room. It's no. such a beautiful dance of energy. And there's yeah, there's no time. Yeah. Yeah, and, no time. And there's there's none of that um kind of alertness. There's an not an awareness, but an alertness that gives you time to say, "Oh, look at the look on her face." Afterwards, when everybody comes back down to the ground, then you get an, a, a sense of, "Wow, that was something else." Yeah, yeah. There, there are moments when there are so many. Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me, you know? And and they're just mind-boggling and and absolutely breathtaking to see a mother come up to me and say, "You know what? I know you might find this strange, but I can breathe right now." And I'm thinking, "Sheesh! I have fulfilled my destiny." Then there you go. If you can breathe right now, then it's amazing. Yes. What? What's the setup like? You give gallery-style appearances, you have an audience, you're up on stage, and you're just channeling uh, messages yeah. from spirit? What do you do? Yeah, I'm never I'm never up on a stage. I start on a stage, but I always come into the audience because I want to mm-hmm. hold people's hands and I want to hug them and I want to embrace their soul, their grief, and support them. So yeah. I start the presentation with stories, and then I come down into the audience, and I start giving the messages that I'm hearing from spirit, that I'm hearing and feeling and sensing from loved ones. And I walk up to a person, and I say, your mother is here. She has a story. I tell the story, um, and we have. Uh, then I move on to the next person, and then we laugh and we cry, and we pass out tissues to each other. Whether there's a room of 50 or 800, that kind of experience takes place. Mm. Amazing, and and there's another parallel. I I like to get down in front of the person, hold their hand, look into their eyes, and uh-huh. what my, a lot of my students don't know is that while I may have wanted to get up close and make it like I, I'm with you, I hear you, I feel your pain. I was also doing energetic work on their chakras, yeah. and if people <laughs> people are like, "Wow, you're." That's really cool how you you get them right in their face and you have so much love in your eyes and you're doing this. I said, oh, there's a lot more going on than that, but I need that <laughs> closeness. You know, I don't like the idea of being up here and they're down there. I need to be in alignment. I need my heart chakra to be in alignment with your heart chakra for me to feel that this experience is complete. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm sure you do. It does you know, make sense. sense to you. Yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, it makes sense to me because one of the things, I'm I'm trying to achieve the same thing that you are when you're presenting. Uh, and the same thing for me is I want them, the audience, to recognize that there is no separation, um, that a stage cannot separate us, that there are no boundaries that separate separates us. And if there are no boundaries between us, then there can be no boundaries between us and our loved ones. Mm, beautiful. That's my whole theory of walking into the audience. Okay. Wow, I love that. No boundaries between us and our loved ones. Mm. Yeah. Tell us about your books. I have not had the opportunity to read them, but I hope to to do so soon. The first yes. book, or you, or you tell me, the first, the one book is, and then there was heaven, a journey of hope and love. Tell me what 
inspired you to write it? How did you construct it? What does the reader walk away with with it, with that book? Well, I, I started writing that book in 1993. I finished it in 2009. Um, it was a long journey of peaks and valleys. It's a spiritual memoir with nuggets of hope, comfort, messages, information, channelings, stories, um, and what I hope the reader gets is a, a sense of upliftment and and um, understanding that there is more. Also in my first book, in the center of the book, there are blank pages, and those blank pages are incredibly purposeful. So when you get the book um, and you get to the blank pages, there's an instruction to just stop, breathe, put your hands on the blank pages, and feel the essence and the energy of your true self. And that's incorporated in a chapter called the Book of Life. And um, I went to, and uh, every time I receive a shipment of books, I put holy water on the books, I pray on the books, I send energy to the books. Um, And as I did the very first uh, shipment I received, which was in 2009, you can even go to YouTube and watch me throwing holy water on the big press, print press machines because I wanted the reader to take to feel the energy of what the intention was and I've heard people say they feel things <laughs> they feel better so the book has many aspects to it wow <laughs> I believe it because you know we, we we know energy and and I absolutely can see anybody picking up that book and saying this is important I need to read this and I love that exercise fantastic yeah. Yeah, you should have seen the faces of the uh, of the print press men as I was walking around with my bag of holy waters from all over the world and just t- tossing the water onto the machines. But I really felt that I-, I wanted it to be more than just a book. I wanted it to be energy, and yes. and it is energy. Yeah. Well, don't worry about what they were thinking. You'll never see them again. <laughs> but, and and maybe they read the book because they got near the machine and started printing it and said, what is so special about this? And then maybe found out. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe so, Charlotte. Excellent. So the second <laughs> book is 16 Minutes When One Breath Ends, Another Begins. Can I venture a guess that are you saying that – in? Every 16 minutes, minutes, when one individual crosses over, another one comes to this plane? Well, what I'm saying with this particular book is that um, it really is a reflection of my journey with my mother as she was passing. Oh. And it was about six, that in the 16 minutes prior to someone's passing, a, an army of angels come to the room and spirits and guides and guardians come, not only to to care for the person that is dying, but to care for all of those that are present and all of those that are part of that family. And then as she was passing, I could feel 16 minutes later that, oh my gosh, she's already crossed through some dimension. And I felt that. Even though my head was on her shoulder when she was gone, I had this very, very, very clear feeling that she had crossed that threshold and and so the story is about grief, loss, bereavement, mourning, and freedom that comes when you walk through your experiences of loss. And that's Sounds what the book terrific. Is about. And I, I should tell you wait. also that, that mm-hmm. the back of the book has a guidebook. So if you're grieving right now or if you're 
or someone you, that you know is dying, there's a little bit of a guidebook in the back of the book to help the, the reader maybe achieve some peace through those words and through those uh, helpful hints. Mm, sounds terrific. I cannot wait to inhale that. Mm. That's amazing. What what amazing work you do. I'm very impressed and um, delighted to be able to learn more about you and get to know you more. But tell you what, let's go to commercial, and we'll have more with Rowan when we come back. We're going to learn ways to tap in, recognize, and develop our intuition. Don't go away. We'll be right back right after these messages. Explore new areas of interest, expand your knowledge, and gain clarity about your life's purpose at the Ocala Inner Center. Affectionately known as OIC, the Ocala Inner Center, just two blocks south of Town Square, offers workshops, classes, healing meditations, and special events for the Ocala, Gainesville, and Central Florida spiritual community. Check out our calendar of events at OcalaInnerCenter.com. And if you're looking for a place for your next workshop or seminar, go to OcalaInnerCenter.com and give Gene a call. At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop texts, stoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat, I'm stupid. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dustin Lynch. You don't have to listen to country music to know that life can be full of drama. Some of it you just can't control, like your girlfriend running out on you with your best friend. But there's some drama that you can skip, like the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or GED. You just need to take that first step and find free classes near you. Go to yourged.org and start moving towards a brighter future and even your college degree. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ag Council. And we're back. We are here with Mr. Roland Comtois, an internationally acclaimed channeler and speaker and expert on the inner voice. So, Roland, where would you like to begin? Would you like to talk about um, why we should listen to our inner voice, or or what do you like to speak of? On the well, I love talking about the inner voice because the inner voice is our compass. It's our our inner spiritual guide moving us through life. So that's a great place to start. Okay. So let's talk about why we should listen, What what the benefits of heeding that voice are. You know, I, I met a woman once. She came up to me and she said, you know, I should have listened to my inner voice when I was walking down the aisle. And this voice inside of me said, don't get married. Don't get married. It's not the right thing. And, and you know, 15 years later, that inner voice proved to be right when she divorced. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that there is this amazing inner part of us that is pure and divine, connected to the divine, that allows us to kind of act as a compass or a barometer to our life experience. And when we listen to it, the result is that we, we get what we 
desire, we reach a place of abundance and prosperity simply by stopping and heeding and listening to that inner voice. Because it's always there, and we, we all have guides and angels and, and people who do assist us from the other side, and we all have intuition. It's a gift that we're given before we even incarnate in this lifetime. We have that, so we all have it. It's just that some are more in tune to it. If if someone's listening who doesn't understand where it comes from, in your words, where where would you say the inner voice comes from? The soul I, or the yeah, heart? I, where? I think it's all of that. I think it comes from the core of who we are. And I, you know, if I could share my vision that I had many, many, many years ago, it was almost as if I witnessed this thread of light that reached out into the universe, into God, into spirit, into the angelic realm, into that spiritual place. And that fed this energy into our core, this light, this wisdom, this knowledge. And I think it's in that aspect of who I am or who we are. Um, and it's it's a strong part of who we are. Even if you say someone isn't hearing it or seeing it, but every person can, as you just said, we all have that opportunity or ability to connect to that inner voice. Yes. And the reason it's so important that we have it and that we uh, do learn to tap into it and get that guidance, I mean, we can the, – the whole problem with the human condition is that we all seem so separate from each other, although that's yeah. not true. We are all connected. But we have this sense of separateness because we are in individual bodies. We have different personalities, different skin color, different cultures. All these differences make us feel like we're in a state of us and them, and it's not that at all. We are all connected, and we're all connected to the same fabric. And this is why it's so important to see others as you see yourself, that we're all connected children of God. And if it seems like you don't have that inner voice, you really do, and it's important that you learn to get into a place of stillness. Do you recommend... Meditation, what are your recommendations for helping people um, at least get to a place where they can Well, you know, it does take a lot of time and energy, doesn't it, Charlotte? I mean, it does take an effort. You know, my students, one of my students called me after teaching a class about intuition many years ago. She said, hey, I tried it for five days and it doesn't work. (laughs) Well, you've got to try it for more than five days. You've got to be committed to it, meaning sitting in that space of silence before you can communicate with yourself, with your angels, with God, with spirit, with your intuition, you have to figure out what the silent voice feels like first. You've got to find that quietness. You've got to find safety in that quietness. And you have to find nurturing in that quietness. And when you do, you're going to start to understand there's more, and there's more to you. You'll understand there's an aspect of you, this core this inner aspect that connects you to everything is right. alive and well. But to find it, you've got to stop thinking. You've got to stop asking questions and just yes. sit there. And listen. And yeah. I say, don't wait until you have a crisis. Practice with oh, the simple good, things. Oh, good, 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 Practice with, uh, here's what I do. I, I, when, I, when I know what I need to eat, I ask my body what it wants. I let my body tell me I need fish, I need protein, I need 
more vegetables or a specific vegetable. I I do my best not to make any major decisions in my life because as a human being, my view is so so limited. My scope of understanding of life and and who I am is so limited that they have the big picture. So why not ask someone who knows so much more than you about your life, your past lives, your future lives, all of your family, ask for guidance. So if you ask on the little things, if you don't feel like you get an answer, then no no harm, no foul. But if it's right, a simple think, thing such as, go ahead. I think you're right about asking, but I, I also believe that we have to ask once or twice, but, you know, not every single day asking the same question. I think we have to ask we have to ask the question. We have to go into meditation, quietness, solace, peace, whatever. We have to go to that place. We have to nurture ourselves, and then we have to live our lives. And we have to live our lives by seeing the signs and the messages, and we have to figure out how that spiritual world communicates back to us the intuition so that our intuition can pick it up and say, oh, yeah, that's right, I can't, I've got to take a left instead of a right, or I've got to eat fish or eat whatever the uh-huh. question may be. Yes, and just to point out, and, and it's a very important point, they are always accurate. The, the intuition, the inner voice, guides, they're always accurate. It's when we don't sit up and pay attention or when we don't heed that voice or we kind of do what we think is the best thing to do, like, oh, I need to make it right here, but we don't, and we go straight anyway. And yes. then something seems to go wrong or something is experienced that's unpleasant. The and minute you think, the minute you think, you've changed the dynamic, you've changed the experience. Absolutely. Right? Isn't it so, the, first, the first moment, Charlotte, that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, that first <laughs> moment when intuition is engaged, it brings a moment like this. Oh, there's almost a sense of relief. And then we start to analyze, think, process, evaluate. We do all those things. Mm-hmm. But draw that first moment. Yeah. Huh? And draw conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Justify. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to go straight. <laughs> only to come, only to find out that there was a, maybe a traffic accident up ahead, and now you're stuck for for half an hour in traffic when you could have avoided the whole thing by turning right when your intuition told you to do it. You're right. You're that absolutely happens. right. Yeah, thank you. That happens to me all the time. You know? <laughs> and and you know what's funny? When you're when you're the passenger in a car and you say something like, Um, you know what? Let's take a detour. I don't think it's a good idea to like take that highway or whatever and you get the response of, no, no, nothing's going to happen, or, no, you're not going to get pulled over by a policeman, Charlotte. And <laughs> and it happens. And then you look at them like, could have spared this whole thing. It, it, I have to say that, you know, with regard to the policeman pulling me over, I was walking around my car with this quizzical look on my face. I'm like, what? Why would somebody pull me over? I'm, I'm not a dangerous driver. I'm extremely uh, conscientious. And somebody walks up and says, what's the matter with the car? I said, I don't know, nothing that I can see, but I'm going to, I need to go into town. I need to go food shopping. I'm going to get pulled over by a cop, and I can't figure out why to avoid it. Huh. Well, you're not going to get pulled over, you know, if you've gotten a lot of that in your life. That's not going to happen. So, of course, I'm in town. The, here come the flashing lights, and I pull over. And you know that tiny little light over the license tag? The license plate? 
Yes. That was out. And You're kidding. The, the officer was pulling me over as a courtesy to let me know. And I figured out how to fix it, and there was a, an auto parts store just down the street. I said, okay, I'll go over to AutoZone, and I'll fix this right now. Thank you very much. Wow. And that was it. But, you know, you have this feeling like, why? Why is this going to happen? And and it, intuition is always right. And I think in, in my case it pro- was probably just to brace my to help me brace myself because I, I would be a, a pretty upset that somebody's pulling me over if I don't feel I did anything uh, wrong. But um, but that's what happens when you when you second guess your inner voice. It, it can be actually quite serious. Um, there was a time that I did not heed what the, what I had at the moment, which was a thought in my head and a sensation in my body to run home hmm. that something bad was happening and I didn't do it. Do you have any stories like that where you didn't listen to your inner voice and seriously regretted it? Well, actually, I have moments when I listened to that inner voice and it and had an an extraordinarily joyful experience. So, I was sitting at my desk as a legislative outreach coordinator as a nurse and it was the worst job I'd ever had in my entire career. And mm. that little voice in my head, that little gut feeling, that little sixth sense came to life and said, quit your job now. And I said to the voice, to the whatever, I said, I can't. I have a little girl. I have to take care of her. I cannot quit. i got to stay working. And the voice got stronger, and it said, quit your job now. As the voice got stronger, it got softer, if that makes any sense, And then I said, you know what, if my inner voice is talking to me, and I wasn't assessing where it was coming from, I was assessing what it felt like. And I said, okay, it feels right, it feels good, it feels solid, it feels compassionate, it feels loving, then I'm going to quit my job. So I walked to my, I went to the next office and I said to my boss, I'm giving you my two-week notice. She said, where are you going? I said, I don't know, but I know that I'm being led. And she said, well, how do you know you're being led? I said, because I have a feeling in my gut that feels right. She says, okay, good luck. I leave that place. I drive home in a town called Harmony, Rhode Island, and I see a little shop to rent. I rent it with the last monies that I had. Here we are, 17 or 18, 19 years later. I'm still telling the same story. That what moment happened? allowed me to fulfill my destiny. What did you do with the shop? I kept it for years, and it was a it was called the Hands of Light Reiki Center. Then uh. it changed to the Center for Inner Harmony, and then I went on the road. Um, you know, I met clients there and did service there and did work there, mm-hmm. and then I, I, I knew that that voice again appeared in a much different way. It appeared in a material way. I asked mm. for a sign, and I found 16 cents, or 17 cents on on a gro- on the ground. And I said, is that really a sign? And I took seven steps later and f- saw another 17 cents, and I thought, okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm moving on. But if it wasn't for that inner voice speaking with its clarity and its concise message, I wouldn't right. be talking to you, Charlotte. Right. No, and, and I wouldn't be where I am today. Let's talk about signs because... Uh, you and I get direct messages, and we are able to translate what might be an indirect message, like a, a sensation in the body. I'm clairaudient, and if, if I'm not paying attention, uh, I can get a message shouted in my ear. So for those of us who 
have not exercised those muscles to this degree. Let's talk about ways that they can sense their own instincts and get signs because somebody might be able to take your experience and even though they didn't hear a voice, they quit your job, but they would notice 17 cents lying on the ground, seven steps later, another 17 cents, but the importance is recognize how significant that is. That's so you just yeah, there's nothing more to say truly. I mean, you've hit the the nail on the head again because we have to recognize in that moment that that is a reaction or that's a gift from the spiritual world in relationship to what we've asked for. And you have to recognize that moment for what it is. Yeah. You've got to. Yeah. Because well, it I'm propels a... you forward. Exactly. And I am a translator. Uh, I not only translate dreams, but I translate waking events such as that. And mm. what I read into that for you is you were at work when you got the message, so of course this is work-related. You find 17 cents. I'll ask you in a moment what the coins were to that added up to 17, but you have a 1, which is independence, and then 7 having its interpretation of um, life direction, karma, turning things around, and you were a healer. Yes, you you went into the nursing profession, but that was to give you probably the opportunity to settle into role of healer, but then you really needed to be a healer. And then the one and the seven, total eight, which is emotional and uh, financial stability. Um, Yes. uh, Emotional balance and all that grace. I don't want to get too far into an interpretation. But then it happens again, so now you really notice it. And that's exactly what happened for you was you really found your niche. As a I found my place. Yeah, and your purpose. That's what it gave me. It gave me that opportunity to find it. But if I didn't see the 17 cents, or if someone who's listening right now asks for a sign, you've got to, once you ask, you've got to allow the sign to be present. So once you ask for spirit to bring you a sign or a message, you then have to go to the next level of being open to receive that sign and trusting that moment when it comes that it's what you've asked for. Absolutely. You have to trust. Trust trust yes. and faith are very important and know that the universe is always conspiring to help you be successful. What are the five things we should do when we sense our own instincts, as we call them? So when it relates to, you know, listening to that inner voice, is that what you're talking about? We're talking about the inner voice, right? We're right. talking about listening to that and understanding what that, dialogue or that feeling is like so what does it feel like when that voice is communicating and what's that feeling that you're getting when you're getting an answer to a question that you've asked there's something that happens inside and it triggers this kind of uh, wave of energy within yourself i would give my you know if i was me and i am me and i do my thing and i say okay you know what i believe in all these things but I, I'm ready to take that voice, that message to the next level. So when it happens, I give it credence. I, I accept it. I follow the path of faith. I follow the path of intuition and see where it leads me. And what, what miraculous thing will happen is that each step you take, you build confidence. You then become very um, secure in your understanding of spiritual messages by listening to your intuition. Don't listen. Don't ignore the voice. When the voice says take a left, take a left. When the voice says take two steps, take two steps. Because two steps later will be 17 cents. 
two steps later will be something so beautiful and so incredible that your life will change. And Mm -hmm. don't push it away. Just receive it, your intuition. It's an aspect of you, a part of you, and it does beautiful things. Yes. It does beautiful things. You you want to trust it. You don't want to rationalize it. Try to make sense of it. Dissect it. Don't do those things. Let it be what it is. Let let a stranger walk up to you and say something significant that you need to hear. You know, these are very important things. And I've I've done a number of segments on uh, different ways that we get messages. It's pretty cool. But speaking of the next level and spiritual messages, what about in the case where we have lost a loved one? What are the six well, steps for dealing with the loss of a loved one when someone's in a position where they can't get a message from them? Or how do you feel about that? Are they... Do you feel we're always getting messages from them? What would you like to say on that topic? Well, I'd like to say, you know, again, that there's no separation between us. Separation exists in the mind only, not in the heart. Love is what guides us, and love is what carries us, and love is what moves us to those messages that our loved ones are sending us. So I don't think that there's a separation between us. I think that they're always present nudging us along just as as if they would if they were here it's a different way to relate it's a different way to communicate but there's a way to communicate with your loved ones after they've passed on that allows you to build up your um to build up a little bit more peace about the grief that you're going through in relationship to the loss of a person but i think they're always there and i don't mean they're there when you're taking a shower i mean they're there when you're living your life to the fullest, they're there when you're breathing in the essence of love and divinity. They're there when you're at a crossroads, stepping through a new adventure in your life. They're there when you're when you're waiting for the next step to be shown to you. I think they're yes. there. You know, Charlotte, I just think Absolutely. they're part of us, and that part doesn't die. No, it, it never dies. It, it can't die. It, it cannot die. We cannot be apart from our creator. So there will always be someone watching over us. Um, and because we have, to, we have to speak honestly, you know, our loved ones, they don't just, you know, put on a pair of wings and lie around on clouds. They have things to do. They have <laughs> things to learn. You know, they can go to school. They can build. They can take up a, a hobby or a craft. There's so much over there that they can do that sometimes they're really not available to get a message through unless – you go the indirect way and get a message to and from them by way of someone else. But um, what are um, – how do I want to phrase this? What are some ways you tell people to sit and, and be still and try to get a message from a loved one or and to, in an effort to deal with their loss? Well, first I'd you know, – I, I want to say to them, I want to address the grief and the loss first, really. Because I don't think messages are easy to come by when you're in the thick of your grief. So right. I would want to say to someone, you know what, cry. It's okay to cry. It's okay to share your grief. It's okay to share what you're feeling. It's okay to find someone you trust who will hold that energy for you. you I would say to them, you have to walk through your grief, not around it, not away from it. Once you begin to walk through your grief and you start to remember love and you remember peacefully and you remember the memories with joy again, you start to 
see and witness the signs that they're presenting you. But in the thick of your grief, it's hard to see. It's hard to see. It's hard to think. It's hard to be. It's hard to find the signs. But be honest with yourself. Be honest with what you're feeling and take steps to move forward. You know, I'm also one that says, you know, if you feel like leaving their picture up for a year, then leave their picture up for a year. If it supports you towards your healing, healing to me is the restoration of wholeness. If you are restored back to your wholeness in a new way because you're living your life with someone who isn't physically present, but if you're walking towards that wholeness, you'll begin to find that that step again and you'll begin to find that love again and you'll begin to find your way again but be honest tell your story share it don't hold it in cry if you have to cry and then the messages might begin to show themselves to you absolutely and you have to be patient with yourself you can't resent the way grief takes a hold of you because you know you have the grief cycle and you go through the all the Motions of the grief cycle, um, from the anger and the bargaining and, and you know, denial, yep. acceptance. You go through, you know, I'm not naming them in the right order, but that happens in picture energy is, energy is circular and it, and it doesn't just go in the same groove around and around and around, although sometimes in our lives we can feel like we're doing that, but it moves in an upward spiral fashion. So in the, in the way grief kind of manifests in our minds and our bodies. We go through the cycle, then we go to the next level of that cycle. Some some of us might see that as going down the next level, or some might say up. I would say up. So you go through that cycle around and around, and you find yourself back in a familiar place, maybe a place of anger that someone left, that it isn't fair, all of these emotions. And you have to sit with that, and you need to allow yourself to feel it because internalizing it will only make you sick on one level or all the levels, mental, emotional, physical. You, you cannot internalize that. And emotions spring up from the body, and we need to release them. So, like you said, cry it out, let it out, write, write it down, draw, write poetry, you know, do whatever you can to express this and get it out. Whatever will help you move to acceptance, because I think that's where we need to go. Um, I had mentioned... Uh, to you, Roland, you know, pain is the path to God. Letting go is a path to liberation, but we have to get to acceptance first. What are your recommendations on getting our foot on that path to acceptance? Well, I do want to address just one quick thing, and that is I don't think there's any order to grief at all. And I realize that there is a a systematic um, approach, according to Ross, that, that each person goes through at the time of loss. But what I've recognized with the people that I've met, is, and certainly from my own grief, is that, you know, there's no order to it at all. You, there's no mm-hmm. rhyme or reason to it or why certain things happen or trigger certain things throughout our, our grieving period. I think the best way to get to acceptance, though, is truly to walk through your grief experience and get support and get help. And if if one day you feel like laying in the bed, then lay in the bed. If the next day you feel like getting up and moving on, you know, just nurture and take care of yourself and get get the help and the support that you need to walk through the experience because the place where acceptance is is absolutely um, beautiful. It's beautiful because 
there at acceptance, you'll feel the presence of your loved ones differently. You'll see them differently. You'll know that they're still part of you. So acceptance has a benefit, and the benefit is that your communication with them strengthens. I agree 100%. I agree. And in the case of my mother's death, I had I did my homework. I spent a month releasing my emotions so that I could be present for her. Nice. Uh, I sense Beautiful. I sense that yeah, that well, she only I I got the message she only had 2 months to live, so I uh did what I needed to do so that I could hold everybody up, hold everybody uh in a, in a place of light. Uh, but I couldn't do that if I was going to be a wreck. So I did that, and it worked uh, beautifully. Her passing was one of the most precious moments of my life, and I'm honored that I was there to comfort her, let her know that Jesus was in the room and waiting for her. She was so excited. Um, <laughs> but my point is, because I did that work, and I know it's difficult because I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel a reaction from the audience. Where it wasn't that way for me, as is one is what's in my head. Okay, so I want to address that because I have to. Um, in the case of a, an, a previous death in my life, it was it happened suddenly and it was very tragic, and I knew that nothing on this planet would ever hurt me like that again. In the mm. case of my mother's passing, I had forewarning because she had cancer; she was sick. So you know it's not going to be forever, and it might not even be too long. But then I was blessed with the message that it was, in fact, coming closer. So I dealt with um, my experience on the emotional level, the mental level, and then uh, got the phone call and was able to participate in this with her and share in this beautiful transition with her. And because I had forewarning, I was able to do that work. But sometimes, and my point in saying this is I do recognize that things happen suddenly and tragically, and you don't get the blessing of being able to sort through your feelings before it happens. But if you do, I would encourage you to do just that. Like Roland said, speak to a counselor. Get help to help you prepare for that moment because you can't undo it. Prepare for that moment as best you can because when I got to that moment, I was in such a place of acceptance. And you're able to tell your your loved one, it's okay, let go. It's Mm -hmm. all right. And you can smile. Mm. And see that look in their eyes and just say, it's okay. Trust me. It's okay. Yeah. And they do. They trust you and they let go. It. You might cry for a while afterwards, but it's not the painful experience it would be if you were resisting. Wouldn't you agree, right. Roland? What would you like I w- to add? I would agree. And I would also add to that is that we can't compare my grief of my mother's passing to the grief of your mother's passing. Right. Because our grief experience is so individual that that there is no two people who grieve the same way. So whatever tools we're offering you here today, you know, you have to take the tools that work for you and you have to maybe even come up with tools that will help you that you've created on your own. Uh, But there's no comparison that one person grieves the same as the other. I think that comparison shouldn't exist. I think we should just, as you said, get the help we need, get the support we need, and Mm -hmm. get to that place where that absolute and incredible joy is when there's peace and acceptance of taking the next step in our lives with them surrounding us. Absolutely. And, you know, practice compassion and tact because you can't Mm. expect someone to grieve as long as you did and you can't expect yourself to grieve in a short amount of 
times. Some people I've seen lose a spouse, and within two years they're remarried. They're happy. They're fine. Yes. It's amazing. And I met a woman. I met a woman who said to me, "You know, my husband died. I don't think I'm ever going to get over it." And I said, "Oh, when did your husband pass? Thirty-three years ago." And I, you know, so we had a long talk about how that energy of his of the loss held her yeah. and confined her versus allowed her to live her life. You know what I mean? So yeah. It's it's tough. People people grieve differently, and we just got to be there for them, Charlotte. You and I. I think yes. I was just, and I just saw an image in my head where we. It's up to people like us, as the primers for the shifts that are taking place, where people really do understand this information. This is not new age. This is now age. Yes, this is, absolutely. This is nothing new. This is the way it is. The way it's always been. And. I feel for that woman. I can feel her energy, and it feels like the pain she felt for her husband was all she had left of him. Yes, that's and exactly. So she wore it like a coat. Oh my God, that's beautifully said. Exactly, mm-hmm. that's beautifully said. I've been there. Beautiful. I've been there, and I'm I'm analytical. I'm I'm creative, but I'm very analytical, and I grew up kind of analyzing myself and looking at my thoughts and why this and what's my energetic contribution to this situation. Mm. And then I realized that I was holding on to the pain because that's all I had left. And I hated the passage of time because every day that went by took me further away from that date that he left. You know what I mean? And and I had to recognize this and I did it the hard way, which means I know this very thoroughly because I steeped in it for years. For years, you know, about a decade. So what I'm saying is, you know, don't let yourself do that. Count on people who have expertise in these areas, either Roland or a a counselor or or someone who specializes in the um, medical arena uh, or psychology. Whatever you do, get that help. Get to that acceptance because there is peace to be found. No matter your experience, you can heal. And we would want you to heal, right, Roland? Absolutely, healing is is it. You've got to find that peace somewhere so that you you can live. Because I've in all the years I've channeled messages, Charlotte, I've never heard a spirit say, "Be depressed, don't get <laughs> right. out of bed, yes, don't live your life." I've never heard that. No, because they want us to live. They want us to be happy. What what I yes. experienced was. You know, in my own ego, why why I couldn't keep that person alive, why, you know, and I had to realize that uh, God was more powerful than me, and it, it was going to happen no matter what I did to prevent it from happening, and it happened. And, you know, the e- depression for me was like the ego folding in on itself mm. and weighing mm. you down so heavily that you can't see the light. But it takes us a, a huge act of courage to say, I want to see the light. I'm willing to see the light, but I need you to help me. I, oh. I need you to, you know, I need to, but we need to open our hearts and say, come in and help me. Because we pray, take this away. I don't want to feel this anymore. This is too much. I can't do it. And we pray that they take our grief away, and they cannot, and this is the reason why. They are not thieves. We must give to them what we would relinquish willingly and freely. So if you turn to your higher power and say, you know, the death of my, my loved one or my parent is too much for me to bear, 
take this away. We can't say that. You have to say, so I'm giving it to you. You know yeah. what to do with that type of grief. I do not. We cannot process that much energy mm. with this body. We can't do it. With this brain, the gray matter, you give it away. Give your grief away, and they will know how to transmute it and take all the darkness out of your heart. Wouldn't you agree? I would, and I would say that that's faith healing and spiritual healing is a certainly an important aspect of uh, of releasing or relinquishing the grief. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. Well, we're we're going to run out of time pretty soon. I wanted to ask you, um, Roland, just point blank, what is your mission in life? How would you describe it? My mission is to touch one heart, one soul, one moment at a time by showcasing the power of eternal love, that heaven exists in the here and now, that heaven is in the eyes of my 23-year-old daughter as it is in the memories I have of my mother. Mm. Wanting to tell people, show people, demonstrate, and create a movement that relates to the idea that live, live now, love now, because love is eternal. That's Absolutely. my message. Okay, and it's and a beautiful one it is. What, you know what? We What we didn't mention in your uh, accomplishments and what you offer the world is your radio show. Would you like to talk sure. a little bit about yep. your show? That's nice of you. Thanks. Uh-huh. I have a show every Wednesday for two hours live on uh, TalkStream Spiritual Radio. It's called Soul Stories, and we do all of what we're doing today, actually. We talk about loss, grief, signs, messages, hope, inspiration, divinity. Um, I take callers, just like you guys do here. So we, we do very similar work. And I also am incredibly impressed about how parallel our lives truly are. So mm. uh, I, I'm just honored to meet you and, and to join this, this this day with you and to be part of the experience. I'm I'm I feel I'm feeling very blessed at the moment. I feel the same way. So um what's coming up for you in the near future, Roland? Where will you be? What will you be doing? Well tonight interestingly enough and we're talking about grief and loss, tonight I'm speaking to a group called Bereaved Parents USA, the Rhode Island chapter, and I'm speaking to um, mothers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles who've lost children and so it's going to be a, a, a night of intense energy but certainly built in love this weekend i'm a keynote speaker at the mind body spirit expo in rhode island and i travel a lot all that information is on my website and i'm leading a tour next year through italy uh, and speaking in Gubbio, Italy, on October second, two thousand and fifteen. Um, but you know, I, all the, all my travel schedule is on my website, and I'll be I'll be in Florida in January for two weeks, doing events all over the place. So, you know, I'm I'm all over the place. <laughs> Fantastic! And again, the name of the website is RolandComtois.net. That's R-O-L-A-N-D-C-O-M-T-O-I-S.net. The names of his books are And Then There Was Heaven, A Journey of Hope and Love, and 16 Minutes, When One Breath Ends, Another Begins. We could have an entire conversation about that 16-minute interval thing. Uh, One of these days we'll have to get on the phone and I'll share an interesting story with you if that's okay. Um, I love that. I love that, yes. I love how you boiled it down to 16 minutes because my experience, I think I guessed it was 20 minutes, but I'm thinking – it's closer to the 16 that you mentioned. It's pretty trippy. Oh, interesting. Yes, yes. Oh, very, wow. very um, paranormally, otherworldly, <laughs> juicy, good stuff. I have had an absolute <laughs> blast talking and sharing with you. 
I have too, and I really appreciate it, Charlotte. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I will be speaking with you very soon, and you take care, okay? Lots of love to you, and thank you to your audience as well. Thanks so much. Love to you. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, that is our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.